time for the word. So I'm going to pray and then we'll get into it. God, I want to thank you for your word, that you caused it to be written, that you've given it to us in all its richness and fullness and that it speaks into our lives and that it can change, it transforms, it empowers us to live the life that Jesus has called us to live. God, this morning I pray the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be acceptable in your sight, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. All right, John chapter 14, we are still working through it. Turn the thing on. Thank you, Wes. You like that whole boing wing thing? It's kind of freaky. All right, here we go. Jesus answered. This is verse 6. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing the work, doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is me in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the work themselves. It's interesting, at this point, the disciples still do not fully recognize who Jesus is. They, they recognize him enough to leave everything. They've left their homes, they left their families, they left their friends, they left their communities of faith, they left their jobs to follow him, but they still don't have a full understanding of who he is. They fail to see the fullness of Jesus' mission, of the things that he has been speaking into their lives. They still just, they just can't grasp, they can't take the next step. And Jesus tells them this, it's gonna be different for you now. You see, you have, you have seen me, you know me, and because of that, now you know the Father, and now you have seen the Father. And this takes us right back to chapter 1 of, of the Gospel of John, when John writes that no one has seen God except the Son. And the Son reveals God to us all. And then Jesus will continue to say, you know, the things I do, that's, that's the work of the Father that's working through me into the world. You know me, you have seen me, you have seen God, this is Jesus' message to them. And over and over, we see this throughout the Gospel of John. This is a reoccurring theme that the Father and Jesus, Jesus and the Father are one. And I believe that Jesus wants to make sure that this truth sinks deeply into the disciples' minds. This is very important for them to understand. Jesus' ministry is coming to an end. He will go to the Father very shortly. He will no longer be on this earth. And he says, and he tells them, if you know me, you know God. Now we have to remember, Jesus is speaking to his disciples and his disciples are Jewish. And in the Jewish mindset, to know God was not something that people would even consider it was, it was something for a future age. It was something for a future time. It was something for the messianic age. 
that people would actually know God on an intimate level, on an intimate playing field, that they can actually see and understand him in a deeper way. But John wants us to understand that that has now changed. That has come to be fulfilled in who Jesus is. Jesus has changed things completely. Because if you have seen Christ and you know him, then you know the Father. And so by the time we get to to verse 11, Jesus tells them this. He says, believe in me. Not just believe, I'm sorry, he says, believe me. Not just believe in me, not just believe who Jesus is, but believe me. Believe the things that I'm telling you. See, faith is not just some touchy-feely, blind walk thing that, I don't know, that's just kind of weird and you can't get a hold of. It does engage your mind. It does engage you as a holistic being. And Jesus says, believe me. Believe me when I'm telling you what I'm telling you. Our faith, our faith has to, has to have the understanding of this mutual indwelling of the Father and the Son. That Jesus is in the Father and the Father is in Jesus and they are one. Because if we don't believe that, if we don't have that truth as the foundation of our faith, then Jesus is just another guy who does really cool things. He is not divine. I'm not following a man. I'm following God. And so this is a very important thing. Tell him, man, you you, you got to believe me when I tell you this. And then he will tell him, if this is hard for you to get a hold of, if this is hard for you to understand, then believe in the works that you've seen. Believe in the things that I've been teaching you. Believe Believe in what I have showed you, how I have lived my life in front of you. Throughout, and we've talked about this before, throughout this entire gospel, miracle faith, faith based on the miraculous, it's better than no faith at all. It's not a very deep faith, but it's, it's the beginning. And it's better than no faith at all. And Jesus, I mean, for people that have eyes to see, those miracles will point them to the direction of the Father through Jesus Christ. And, you know, what we consider miracles, like these, these amazing signs and wonders, man, that's just everyday stuff for Jesus. That's just the way he walked and lived his life and the power of that spirit. Go to the next verse. I don't know why I threw that in there. I just did. Verse 12. Very truly, I tell you, all who have faith in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. All who have faith in Jesus. He is stressing a deep personal commitment to him. This goes beyond just believing that Jesus is who he says he is. This is about a commitment to following who he is, marrying, marrying, reflecting his life <laughs> into your life. You know, some statistics, some surveys say that 85% of Americans believe that Jesus is who he says he is. That They believe that Jesus is what the Bible claims that he is, the son of God, died for our sins. But you know what? That doesn't mean that 85% of America is Christian. Guess what? The devil believes that Jesus is the son of God. He ain't a Christian. I'll just tell you that right now, all right? This goes beyond just believing who Jesus is. This is about a deep, personal, faith 
trust and commitment to following him. This is about living your life in the light of his teachings. This is about modeling your life after his. And people who who get a hold of that idea, they will do the works that Jesus does. And what's that say? Even greater things than what Jesus, you know, this verse, I'm gonna be honest, man, has always troubled me. I've, I've always just like really wrestled with it. This is one of their coffee cup verses that you see and people just throw around. Well, if you have faith, you'll just do greater things than Jesus, you know? And I'm just like, ugh. I mean, has anybody here ever, and, and, and I mean this in all seriousness, have you ever walked up to somebody that was blind? You just walked up and you put your hands over their face and you prayed, see in the name of Jesus Christ and their eyes were open and they can see. Anybody? I mean, have you walked up to somebody who is deaf and just put your hands over their ears and said, hear in the name of Jesus, and they could hear? Or have you prayed over somebody that may, maybe has cancer, and the cancer was gone, just like that? Or you walked up to somebody in a wheelchair, and you said, in the name of Jesus, get up, walk. Or someone has died, you prayed over that person, and they came back to life. I mean, anybody, anybody here? Have you, have you done that? Have you experienced that? Me neither. I mean, I haven't seen it. I believe, I believe with all my heart, God is the God of miracles. And, and it is not out of his realm of power and influence to do those things. I believe that they do still take place in our day and our age. And I know credible people with credible stories that have experienced those things that, that science and medicine just cannot explain away, that, that people have stumped doctors. You should be dead, but you're alive, and we have no explanation for it because of the power of God at work. But I also know people who, they, they walk in this intimacy with God that makes me jealous like, I want to know God the way they know God. They just have this, this spiritual prowess about them. And those people, they, they get sick. And then they die. But they had the faith, but yet they still, they still die. And I know people with that same faith that have prayed for a miracle over other people, and it hasn't happened. And so there's this tension in me <laughs> as a believer of, oh, what's, what is going on? And I understand that Jesus, he didn't heal everybody he came in contact with. As I studied this verse more and more and really wrestled with it, especially throughout the course of this week, trying to get an understanding of it, I believe that there's more going on here than just the miraculous. I believe there's more going on here than just those big ticket items that we like to to see and claim that that God is doing. This verse speaks to something more common, if you will, more, more every day that we all can take part of, take part in, and maybe we just decide not to do it. We can and will do the works of Jesus. We can and will do the service of Jesus. We can live the life that he lived. So let's just kind of push this just a little bit deeper. The followers of Jesus Christ have received the Holy Spirit. Jesus has gone back to the Father, 
And he has sent us the spirit to empower us to live the life that Jesus modeled for us. We have the authority and we have the power to live this journey of faith just like Jesus did. It is ours. We've been given it, not by any work of your own, but as a free gift of God given to us. And so we have been empowered to live our lives in such a way that we can speak and we can live in ways that influence people to become to come into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. You know, in the book of Acts, there's this Pentecost thing that happens and, and, and the gift of the Spirit comes upon the disciples. And in the book of Acts, there are miracles that take place. There are healings that take place. But the, the emphasis, the focus of that entire book is about people coming into relationship with God through Jesus. It's about churches being started and planted. It's about Jesus' communities taking root and his followers speaking life into the towns and villages that they went to. And and then people coming to an understanding of who Jesus was and then being reconciled to the Creator. I want to show you something in chapter 2 of Acts. This is verse 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like, a, like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. I'm talking about the disciples here. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So these people have followed Jesus, have learned from him, have watched the way that he has lived his life. And now, because he has gone back to the Father and has sent the gift of the Holy Spirit, they have been empowered and they have been given authority. In fact, so much so that they begin to speak in different languages. And many people that are standing around are hearing these guys speaking and they're understanding in their own native tongue. And so some are like, yeah, they must be all just drunk because we all know that drunk people can speak foreign languages almost instantly. And, and I mean, if that were the case, by the time I was 30, I would know all of the languages, okay? No, I'm only joking. Anyway, so... so so, so here, they, they, just, they have no idea what's going on. And then Peter stands up. And the power of the Spirit and the authority of the Holy Spirit that just came upon him and begins to preach the kingdom of God and begins to tell the story of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And he is not speaking in a church. He's not speaking in a synagogue. He's standing on his soapbox and he's preaching and he's teaching and he's talking to people who do not know who Jesus is, who are not in a reconciled relationship because of him with the Creator. And he'll even tell them, you know what, you people, you and sinful men, you're the ones that killed him. And he just gives this amazing sermon to these non-believers. And how's the story go? They are cut to the hearts. And they ask him, well, what, what do we do? What do we do? And Peter says, repent. Repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sin. And you know what happened? 3,000 people in that moment became followers of Jesus Christ. Now, if we were in a Pentecostal African-American church, I would get an amen on that. So come on. 
So, so see, you're so, you're so Caucasian. Not even like a jokeful amen, nothing. Just like, oh, we're not doing that. So anyway, so, so here we, we have 3,000 people. I just totally lost my place. So you, you ruined it. If I, got, if I got an amen, that would have been good. I've been like, whoa, and I've been just, all right. So, all right. That's a little too late, man. That's just, that's just too late. All right. You know, too often we, 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 t- we take this verse, this, this verse, four, uh, verse 12 out of chapter 14, and, and, and we focus on the big stuff. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, like, I'm not like praying over people and, and healing them. You know, I'm, not, I'm not opening the eyes of the blind and the ears of the deaf. And, and you know, I, I don't, I'm not seeing that. And it's like we say, well, you know what? If I can't run, I'm not even going to try to walk or crawl. I believe with all my heart that we need to operate daily in the spirit of God. We have been given this gift and we need to walk in it, be aware of it, be in tuned to it, allow the spirit to lead us in the words that we speak and the actions that we do every single day. We know what we should be doing we have the life of Jesus written in the Gospels. And if, even if you've read through it once, you kind of know how you should be ordering your life to live your life like him through the power of the Spirit that's been given to us by God as his believers, as his children. During the lifetime of Jesus, he was focused he focused his influence in his ministry on a very specific area and a very specific people. And now that he has gone back to the Father and he has given us the Spirit, we are able to go out and influence a larger number of people in many, many different places. We can live the works of Jesus. It's not just about the miracles. It's about the everyday stuff. So let's... let's, let's, let's Kind of just push a little deeper here. Let's, let's think about this. What does that mean for us? What does that mean for individuals? 2010, it's November. What does it look like? Let's, let's kind of start right at the very beginning. The people you work with in your jobs, your friends, your family, your neighbors, the people in your schools for the young people. Do they know that you have ordered your life around the teachings of Jesus Christ? I mean, it's a very simple question. And not because, not because that you wear a T-shirt that has some Bible saying on it or you, know, you have a nice coffee cup on your desk. It's got a really cool scripture verse, you know, as the deer pants for the water. You know, that's so overused. <laughs> you know, uh, and, and, um, or you have that cool little fish on the back of your car and you know, you're still flipping people the bird because they cut you off in traffic. You know, great witness there. And if you don't know the bird is, Google it and, and so because decorum prohibits us to go into that in here. And so, I mean, not because of those things, but because of the way that you live your life. People know that you're a Jesus follower. Do they? Do you have the commitment and the faith and the trust that your life reflects the life that he lived? I mean, do you? I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a simple question. It's an easy question. Are you taking the time to hear the Spirit of God speak into your heart, speak into your soul, and you're taking the time to hear that and actually live that? Are you? 
I mean, this is, this, is the, this, is, this is JV stuff right here. This is beginner stuff. Are you, are you serving people and are you loving people in proactive ways that may, might, might actually cost you something? Some of your time, some of your resources, some of your effort, maybe an inconvenience for you to live your life every day for the good of someone else. This is... This is the work of Jesus. This is the way he lived his life. And I would say that we have trouble doing just that in our own homes. You know, husbands, and I'm talking to the husbands as, I'm t- as, I, as I wrestle with this myself. Are we loving our wives? Are we living our lives to serve her and to love her as Christ loved the church? I know that you're busy. I know that when you come home from work, you're tired and you got a lot on your mind. And I know that sometimes your wife makes it difficult to love her. I get that. But you know what? Too bad. It's not an option. It's what the scriptures call us to. Do we live? Do we have the faith, the trust and the commitment to Jesus Christ to live our life that way? Do we listen to and walk in the power of the Holy Spirit in order, to, in order for our lives to revolve around what the scriptures teach us. Wives, are you submitting to your husbands? I know you don't like that word. Who submission, oh, that's ugly. You know, I, I get that. I understand that. You know, biblically, biblical submission. I'm not talking about unhealthy. And I know, I know husbands are, they can be a pain sometimes. And, you know, the honeydew list is just getting longer. And they come home and they're tired all the time and they don't want to engage. And when you talk to them, they just kind of, it just kind of goes over their, you know, they're just like glazed over and like, uh-huh. I know they're hard to, to biblically submit to and to respect, but you know what? Too bad. It's what the scripture teaches. It's not an option. Is your faith and commitment and trust in Jesus Christ enough where you're actually living your life that way? Are you listening to and walking in the empowerment of the Spirit that your life reflects those truths? Children, are you honoring your parents? I know they don't get you. They don't understand what it's like to be a kid because most parents weren't born. We were built. As adults, I understand that. And we have these rules, and they're stupid rules, and they don't make sense. And then if they don't follow the rule, if you don't follow, then you get in trouble, and there's this whole discipline thing. I get that. But you know what? Too bad. It's not an option. It's what the scriptures teach. Are you living your life in the trust and commitments and faith in Jesus that allows you to live that way? Are you walking in the power of the Holy Spirit that empowers you to live that way? And we can't even get this stuff right in our homes. What are we going to do when we got to get outside of the walls? Husbands, loving your wife has nothing to do with the way she treats you and everything to do with your relationship to Jesus Christ. Wives, respecting and submitting biblically to your husband has nothing to do with the way he loves you, has everything to do with your relationship to Jesus Christ. Children, it doesn't matter if your parents do not understand you. You are honoring them, has nothing to do with that, has everything to do with your relationship to Jesus Christ. Are you getting this? Are you getting this? It's not based on how you're being treated. It's based on you walking in the spirit 
that God has given you, that has empowered you to live your life in the trust, faith, and commitment to, to Jesus. And man, if we can't get this right in our own homes, man, no wonder why churches are always fighting with each other. And if we can't get this right in the church, capital C, what's it gonna look like to those people out there? They don't wanna come into the church because they know what we're like. It's scary. It's wrong. We have a blueprint for what it looks like. Jesus said that if we have faith and commitment and trust, that we can live that blueprint. And we have been given the spirit of empowerment because he has gone back to the Father and has sent this spirit that empowers us to live, to get it done. Not in our own effort, not in our own strength, but in the authority and power of the spirit of God himself. Do you understand what we have to work with? but it's going to take time. It's going to take time for people to start slowing down and listening. It's going to take time for people to stop being selfish and want what they want when they want it. If Jesus is the light of the world that was shining into the darkness, then within our faith and within our following and within the power of the Spirit, we too can be the light of the world and shine even brighter than Jesus did. Because why? Because it said in verse 12 that we will do the works of Jesus and even greater things, that our life can shine brighter than the Son of God into the world. Do you understand, do you understand that? It's not just about miracles and all the really cool stuff. It's about how you live your life every day, shining bright into the darkness. And so it really, it begs the question, if we are not that light and shining brighter than Christ, why not? What's, what's, what seems to be the problem? We've got the blueprint. We, 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 we have the, the empowerment, the spirit. What seems to be the problem? I, I, I believe it comes down to this. We have lost our first love. We have lost our first love, and that is Jesus Christ. And we need to get it back. We need to get that back. And so this is where homework comes in. We're going to do something called a kingdom experiment, and it's based on this, these books that I've been reading, and these are practical exercises for communities of faith to live incarnational lives, meaning that we are going to model our life around Jesus. And it has to begin with the individual because a transformed person through the power of the Spirit begins to transform their church. And a transformed church begins to transform the world outside its walls. And so we need to begin with us as individuals that, that we would allow the Spirit to transform who we are. Because you can't do it on your own. I mean, you're going to fall flat, short, and people are going to laugh at you. But you have the Spirit of God. And so, let's, uh, I have, oh, here they are. I even made little homework papers. Okay, I'm going to ask some people to give, would you give these out? Would you give these out, Megan? Would you give those out? See, uh, see, there we go. Oh, sorry. So I'll wait till everyone gets one. And we're going to go over your homework so there is no question about what we're going to do.
See, I didn't put these on the chairs beforehand because I didn't want you to peek. Everybody gets one, even Tucker. There should be plenty for everyone I made a lot. These are things that you can do during the week. Now, I know some of you, you these, these, or these are looking good, and you're going you're gonna to really try to do it. You know, that's just an excuse for not doing it. Don't try to do it. Do it. And for, for others of you, you're like, you know, I just don't have time really to do this. Those are you people, you need to do this even more, okay? Don't let pride or arrogance get in the way of these simple exercises. So let's go for the first one. Media fast, and by that, I don't mean getting faster at flipping through the channels, okay? Unplug from all media activity for a week as a means to simplify your life. Instead of watching that reality show, spend some time seeking God. Take it one step further. Reevaluate your media choices. Gasp, that means, (gasps) okay, just so you know. Maybe there are some you should avoid or eliminate. The second one. It's called an alarm clock or that evil offspring of technology. Carve out space every morning to memorize Psalm 139, verses 23 to 24. Anybody know that psalm? Hmm? What? Anyone? See, some of you are going to have to open your Bibles this week. No, searching the heart thing. This is a scary verse. If it's prayed with a, with a repentant heart and an open heart, this is a scary verse. Pray the verse every morning or for a week or even a month, asking God to reveal those areas of your life that act as a block to your relationship with him. I get by with a little help from my friends. I love that song, but anyway. If you don't already have an accountability partner, seek out, seek out a trusted friend and set up times to meet regularly. Use these times to share joys, struggles, temptations, and everyday life. One of the reasons why God created the body of Christ was so that we could encourage and support one another through this faith journey. The next one, it's not going to be graded, but write a letter to God as a form of confession. View this open communication to God as a means of mending past wrongs. Then bury it, burn it, or throw it away to signify a pure and new start. And I haven't had a timeout since I was five which isn't really true for me, but reflect on three of your most sacred spaces or places of retreat, your car during a long drive, your favorite park, that nook in your house. Visit each of these places throughout the week to refocus on God when life gets hectic. These are just some things where we can begin to reconnect ourselves, to put ourselves back in that place of following Jesus through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, that we would get rid of the junk in our lives that crowds out, that, that crowds in, and, and it doesn't, we can't even hear God's Spirit speak to us anymore. That we would take some time and recenter our lives in faith, trust, and commitment. And I think each week we're going to have homework assignments. I was looking through these books that I have. Some of them are really, really difficult to do. Some of them don't make any sense at all, at least in the world's eyes. And we'll see what ones that God leads me to uh, to wrestle with and, and present to you. But 
Here's your homework. Will you begin to allow the Spirit of God to transform you and your life so that you can live your life and do the works of Jesus in even greater things? Even greater things. Let's pray. God, I want to thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit, and I pray that, Lord, that that it will continue to burn bright in the hearts and the minds and the souls of the people here. God, that everyone here would leave this place with, with words that you have spoken deep into their soul, and that we will begin to walk in the Spirit and speak in the Spirit, and that we would speak light into the darkness of this world, bright light every day. And we wouldn't worry about those, those big things that we're not doing, but we will see the things that we can be doing, that we can be doing in our families, in our places of work, in our schools, in our neighborhoods, and that you will give us the strength and the discernment and the eyes to see where you're working and join you in that work. We ask and pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.